I know that some of you had opportunity to be part of the prayer event that we were able to host here at Arlington Woods. We were partnered with Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, the Billy Graham Association, Peace and Reconciliation, along with our local group, Love Ottawa, which is a group of churches and ministries here in our city. And on the afternoon, we had over 200 people that were part of a seminar. What was exciting about that was is I had the opportunity to show the pastor from Southland Church in Steinbeck, Manitoba, the, the vision that was placed on the hearts of those teenage girls that I shared with you about how God used the tornado and ripped our roof off. A bunch of girls knew nothing about pine, pine forests and those types of things. And God showed them and they shared that with me. And I've shared that with you. I was able to share that with the, the pastor that was there and the, at, at that church. He was here and he was one of the speakers, uh, Ray Dirksen and his wife, Fran. What, an ex what a fantastic day. And then in the evening, over 300 filled this place. And I just feel this morning that there's just this residue that was left over. The aroma of God was in this place, and I just feel like he wants to do something special in us today. One of the organizers helped put that together from the local group is uh, Dr. Isaac Gimba. I had the opportunity, I, I want to give you as much time to get up here and speak. I... I I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Gimba. He was on some calls that I was on right at the very beginning of, of um, what was that again? COVID. I almost forgot. How could we forget? COVID. Anyways, um, he was on there with a group of other pastors, and it was absolutely fantastic to hear his heart, and to hear his heart for our city, and to hear his heart for other pastors. He's not only for Ottawa, he's part of a global movement um, he's part of, he's the founding director of Meeting Point Ministry. This man and his team, they meet at 6 a.m. to pray for pastors that want and other leaders that want to be part of that, 6 a.m. They pray again at 12 noon, and they pray at 12 at night, midnight. They spend time on their knees praying for unity and for there to be um, a coming together of, of Christ's church. Our church needs unity. All churches need unity. And uh, it's been absolutely a thrill to, to participate and be part of your life, Dr. Gimba. Um, he's a pastor, businessman, and uh, I want to uh, warmly welcome him. I'm going to ask you to come up, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a hug. Because that's... <clears throat> Because that's what Pastor Huggies do. And um, I want to pray for you. Uh, Father God, I thank you for this man of God. Thank you for the opportunity of already being able to pray together. I know that he is the man for the hour today. And I know that you're going to use him as we want to be a church that is a house of prayer. We want this to be a house of prayer. Lord, I know that he's near to you. He's a humble man, honored man. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless him today and raise him up. Give us ears to hear, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Thank you. You're among friends. <laughs> Thank you. I feel so ready. <laughs> Love you. Thank you. It's really such an honor to be here this morning. Um, God never ceased to amaze me 
meeting with Pastor Mike is one of those amazements for me and even inviting me to be here and to share with you it's yet another amazement I really want to thank you very much Pastor Mike and your dear family for the opportunity to be here and to share God's heart with his people um, I'm here with my wife Diana um, my wife of 33 years Thank you. I believe that the Lord has positioned this church for something phenomenal. I believe so with every fiber of my heart. We were opportune to have this church host my son's wedding sometime last year. And being here yes, um, on Friday and watch what happened here, it felt to me like when Jesus was looking for a place to be birthed and there was no place for him except in the inn. And I could not imagine that that place remained the same afterwards. This church happened to be the, one, the church that provided accommodation for what happened here on Friday. And like Pastor Micah said, I believe it speaks a lot into what God wants to use this church to accomplish in this season. And I spent some time praying and crying out to God for a word for this church. And I believe God has something for this church. And when I speak about the church, I'm talking about you as an individual. Each one of us, God has you in his heart. And what I'll be saying today, some things may be very hard, I'm going to warn you. Like the pilot would say, fasten your seatbelt. We're about to go into some turbulence. But one thing I can assure you is that we're going to land safely by the grace of God. I may say some things that may be very roughened. It's only because... I believe the son the father loves sometimes chastises. And when he prunes us, it's so that we bear more fruit. And I love it when it is the father actually pruning. You find the church in Revelation that felt they were good and everything was okay with them. And when Jesus came to give his assessment, he thought they were poor, naked, blind, and wretched. We want to be a church that are in line with the heart of the Lord. And I believe we are. I believe we are. You know, Pastor Mike said to me, I believe as a church we need to go deeper in prayer. May I also say, the freedom... You only celebrate and do not defend, you will lose. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. I yield my heart, I yield my mind, I yield my thoughts, I yield every department and faculty of me 
totally submitted to your lordship and sovereignty. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Build your church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. By revelation, you will establish your counsel. I pray for every heart. I pray for every ear. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. May your word burn like fire. And bring us to the place of your desire. Strengthen each heart. I pray in the name of Jesus. You will posture us in a way we would hear you clearly. And respond willingly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, three things I'll be... Uh, let me just give you where I think I'll be heading. One, I'll be talking about a church of fire. A church that is on fire. I like the song we sang and the last, um, you know, uh, could, could, you show, could you put that on the screen for me? The, the very last, um, I speak Jesus. Um, and I think it's the very last caption. Burn like a fire. Because I will be focusing on what we require to shift and be the church that God desires. A church on fire. But also a church that fast. Burning like a fire. Mm. Thank you. Back in the Garden of Eden. Intimacy with God started there. Because church or a house of prayer is not a place you go to. It's a place where you live from. So in Genesis chapter 1, when God wanted to create relationship, he thought about man. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Image and likeness connotes fellowship. You would see in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' worst nightmare was the thought of separation from his father. And on the cross, he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? There has been an intimacy and fellowship and relationship between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what binds them together is peace. You find in Ephesians, it says, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What also was primary in the heart of the Father was communion. Besides fellowship, he wanted to commune with man. In John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus says, Glorify me, Father, with the glory I had with you from the beginning. And throughout scriptures, you notice the relationship between Jesus and his Father. It says, I and my Father are one. We have been made as vessels of fellowship and communion. We were saved unto good works. First John chapter 3 verse 8. For this reason the Son of Man was revealed that he may destroy the works of the devil. We were made for fellowship, for communion. 
We were saved for good works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It was the reason that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So that he would position us. And we saw part of the works of the devil manifest in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 to 10. Satan visited Adam and Eve. And the intention was to break that fellowship and the communion. The Bible says in the cool of the garden, God would walk in there. And he would have fellowship with Adam and Eve. But Satan broke in to break that fellowship and that relationship. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. From among the trees. And God called out to Adam and said, Where are you? I've come to have fellowship with you. I've come to have communion with you. Where are you, Adam? Adam heard the voice of the Lord and he hid among the trees. He caught fig leaves and covered his nakedness because he had listened to the voice of Satan. And soon there was an exchange. The Garden of Eden you would realize was the place that God placed man so he can have spiritual relationships, spiritual intercourse with him. Whereas, the, when you read Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26 to 30, he gave him dominion over the entire earth. The dominion man had over the entire earth was a role of kingship. And then God created a garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2 and placed him there. Was a role where he was have fellowship with him. Was an assignment for priesthood. So on one side, man had dominion over the earth for kingship. On the other side, he had a time of fellowship with God as priest. One of the greatest challenges that I have found today in the Christendom is the lack of understanding who we are in Christ. Because of the deficiency of that understanding, man fell easily to the whims and caprices of the devil. God intended to have fellowship and communion with him, and Satan broke her into that relationship. Once the exchange took place, man realized he was naked. And Satan had taken over the dominion. He was hiding. And Jesus, in his grace, he slaughtered a lamb, the first lamb that was caught, and covered him with his skin because blood had to overcome sin. Man's mandate was twofold. To be a king and a priest. Your identity and your assignment is what Satan will go after. For us to gravitate into a church that is more prayerful, we need to know who we are in the first place. And what is the role that we have. You would see in the book of Luke chapter 4, when Jesus came at the temptation in the wilderness... There were three temptations. Two of the temptations were about the identity 
of Jesus. And one was concerning his assignment. Satan was repeating exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve did not understand who they were, did not understand and comprehend their assignment. It was swapped. So Satan said to Jesus, if you know you are the Son of God, turn these stones to become bread. He knew he was the Son of God, but it was about who he was. The other assignment was, if you know you are the Son of God, jump from the height, for it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you. But Jesus knew who he was. He wouldn't give himself to it. The third temptation was about his assignment. He took him to a mountain, to, the, um, to a high height, and said to him, fall down and worship me. Look at, he had shown him all the expense of the world. He said, I will give it to you. Well, Jesus didn't come to receive a gift. He came to lay his life. And so Satan said to him, you just needed to worship me. I will give it to you. He was tinkering with the assignment that Jesus came to accomplish. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, God his father highly exalted Jesus and given him a name above every other name because he laid down his life. My friends, the greatest challenge to you and I today is the challenge for understanding who we are and how that we can position ourselves in the place of prayer and not give in and not give out. Jesus says the house, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Why is that so? Hmm. I will be saying some few things in a short while. Um, if you look around us, I don't know how many of us are aware that currently as we sit, I'm told there is a bill going on in the parliament uh, to, to consider the Bible as a hate book. What that means is if it passes through, you are limited to what you can say about the word of God. How then should we respond? Three things. Number one, in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, God gave us instruction to Moses. He says, say to Aaron, the fire shall not depart from the altar. It shall burn consistently, continually. God is surrounded by fire. The Holy Spirit is an emblem of fire. Jesus himself carries fire. The church ought to carry fire as well. If we're going to impact our world and impact our community and our society. In Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6, he says, talking about the prophet Isaiah, he cried, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then one of the angels took a coal from fire and touched his mouth and cleansed his mouth. Fire cleanses, fire purifies, fire scares the devil. In Acts chapter 28, verse 1 to 6, Paul, after this voyage, 
he was by, the, by some, some fire that, and was cooling himself. And suddenly, as they were packing some, some wood, he, he, got, he grabbed um, a, a log of wood that, contained, that had a viper. And the natives, when they saw it, they thought that this must be a criminal. He shook the viper into the fire. What does that mean? A church on fire keeps Satan at bay. A church on fire causes the kingdom of darkness to shake. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we see a context between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. They call upon their God so many times and nothing happened. Elijah called upon the God of heaven. Fire came and consumed the sacrifice. As soon as that happened, all of those who were contending the God of Elijah bowed down and worshipped the God of Elijah. If we are going to be a church on the move in this season and in this dispensation, we will be and we must be a church on fire. When I was studying about fire, I just looked it up the dictionary. I'm told that fire consists of three elements. It consists of oxygen, it consists of the source, whatever the source may be, maybe gas. It also consists of heat. So you need oxygen, heat, and the source for fire to emanate. And when I began to consider it spiritually, oxygen represents Holy Spirit. Heat is a kind of character. It represents a state of being. Jesus was speaking to the church in the book of Revelations. I wish you were cold or hot, but because you were lukewarm, I will spew out of my mouth. So heat is a connotation of character, what sort of persons you are. And then the source represents the word, wood. Now God spoke to, um, to Moses to tell the children of Israel to speak to Aaron that fire must not depart from the altar. And so how do you get fire cons consistently on the altar? You feed it with wood. And each time the, the wood burns and is, and is left with ashes, you convey the ashes out. And the next morning you feed it again with wood. Now, the wood in this instance is the word of God. You feed yourself daily. If you're going to be a church and, pr and, pr and prayer, the word of God must be consistent, persistent with us. He said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You will meditate on it day and night so that you may observe to do according to that which is written in it. Oftentimes, the problem is our prayers are devoid of the word of God. Oftentimes, we speak from our minds what we desire. Oftentimes, we come into the place of prayer as a place to go to, rather than the place to dwell from, than the place to be in. And so God says, if you're going to seek me and find me, you will search for me with all of your heart. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the move of the Holy Spirit in an unprecedented way. It is impossible to be a church on fire without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You need the Holy Spirit upon you. You need the Holy Spirit walking through you. When we gave our lives to Jesus, he came and dwelt inside of us. He affirms our sonship. But then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and endued them with power to be witnesses for him. And then we see in Galatians chapter 5, it says, these are the fruits 
of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness. And all of that work through us as believers as we consist and persist in the place of prayer. Prayer holds Satan in restraint. Prayer is man's only access to the court of heaven. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus said something very profound. It was a story of a woman. She kept going to this unjust judge who neither feared God nor regarded man. But there was something about her life. It was the persistent, consistent insistence in prayer. If we're going to be a church that will impact our generation, there will be a need for consistent, persistent insistency. There oftentimes what happens is that we are too quick to depart from the place of prayer. Men of old waited in the place of prayer until they found results. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter, 20, chapter 40, verse 29 to 31, it says, even the youth will grow weary, and young men would fall utterly. But those that wait... They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. God is calling the Arlington Woods Church into a place of consistent persistency and waiting in the place of prayer. In Psalm 91, it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. It didn't say he that visits. Oftentimes the challenge is we have prayer meetings and we come for a moment and you never see anybody comes again. There has to be consistent, persistent insistency if you're going to have any change, if you're going to have a move. Look at the woman. She takes in, and for nine months, she endures the inconveniences of that pregnancy. But she is waiting with expectation for a day she's going to birth that child. She doesn't just decide to take up the pregnancy. She is within, it, the baby is within her growing. And so also are spiritual things. We have to persist and consist in the presence of God to see a rebirth of what we anticipate. Prayer releases God's eternal counsel. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 to 13, he said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good and not evil. God has his plans concerning Arlington Woods Church. But we will only find that, he says, when you seek me with all your heart. The challenge I find every, most times is that there is no consistent, persistent insistence with all of our heart. There is grace this morning. I am trusting the Lord, according to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, to release a grace upon us as we persist, as we open our hearts to him. For every move of revival, it will precede consistent prayer. God says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, I am willing, but how open and how desirous are you? I am willing if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We often desire to see the healing of the land, but what is the corresponding sacrifice that we are willing to give for what we want to see. We have a future ahead of us. We have young people that need to be mentored. What are we going to give to the next generation? What are we going to button? What button are we going to hand over to them? Mm. 
Prayers is the highest form of humility. Jesus, who is our Lord, the Bible says he humbled himself, became obedient unto death for the place of prayer. In the garden of Gethsemane, he humbled himself and yielded himself. He called his friends and says, I, I grieve, I'm in agony. Prayer is a place of vulnerability. And that is one of the reasons we are encouraging pastors to come together, to unite in the place of prayer and to stand shoulder to shoulder as we call upon the God of heaven. I want to share some few points to help us to move into that place of letting the fire of God walk amongst us. Number one, it said, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. We would have to come to the place where we unite as a body of Christ. But first, as individuals, to be willing to die to self. Except you are willing to die to self, believe you me, there's no much that we can go. It says, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It calls for a place of total death to self, so your spirit man can find expression to the God who is spirit. One of the ways is fasting. Fasting breaks down and humbles the flesh into submission to the spirit man within you to align with the purpose of God. But it's one of the most challenging things to do, I find, in the West. To be able to deny yourself of some food. Jesus said to the disciples when they came to him at some place, Master, we could not cast out that devil. Why was that so? He said, this requires prayer and fasting. In Luke chapter 10, he had sent them and they went and cast out demons. They came back rejoicing. But then they encountered another situation that they couldn't cast out the devils. Jesus was saying something. If you must go deeper, like we desire to do, you would need to add fasting to it. There are things that would only happen when your flesh is completely subdued and the spirit of God within you find expression with the spirit of the Lord to bring about the counsel of God to bear on the earth. Jesus says, may your, he taught the disciples, he says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Mm. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for you a moment before I continue. Shall we pray together? Father, I pray for your sons and your daughters. 
I pray for each ear hearing me, listening to you. I pray that you will grant the desires of their heart as they long to go deeper with you, as they long to know you as a friend, as they long to fellowship with you. Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to them? I pray that every limitation be broken, every barrier be removed, every inhibition, every distraction of the mind be brought under subjection to the obedience of Jesus. I pray that revelation will break through their spirit and grant that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may lay hold of your truth, but not just understanding, but that you would catapult each one into an action, into a place where we meet with you, where the flesh is subdued and the spirit is enhanced. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I am asking the Lord to give you grace to venture into areas you have not ventured before. I'm asking the Lord to empower you to arise with passion in your spirit. I'm asking the Lord to cause you and give you the grace to be able to, to go further, being able to um, deny yourself. Jesus said, he was speaking to the disciples in, John, in, in uh, Luke chapter 14. When they came after him, he says, if any one of you must come after me, you must be willing to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and come after me. A place of self-denial is a place where you will engage with something you have not engaged before. But that self must be denied. How much time do I have? I've gone past my time. Yes, okay. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. God is a spirit. And those that must worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Father, I am praying that your spirit would fall afresh upon us today. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you will grant us by your Holy Spirit grace, grace to die to self and to be alive in you. Whatever those areas in our lives that are hindering us, whatever those aspects in our lives that are limiting us as a body of Christ, as a church of Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that they be broken and may a newness of life come from each one of us, arise from us by the power of the Holy Spirit and draw us into your presence. I pray for this individual who feel that they don't have what it takes to be everything you're calling them to be. I pray, Father, that you would speak to them like Gideon, who felt he could do nothing, but yet you were looking up to him to bring deliverance to Israel, that you would empower them to know that with you there is nothing that is impossible. 
I pray, O oh God, that you will release your spirit upon this church and bring us into the fullness of your purpose in this season. What you have begun to do here last week Friday, this, this past week Friday, that we will see a, a repeat of it as we gather together day in, day out, week in, week out. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you, Father, for you are able to do exceeding abundantly above that we can ask or think or imagine. In Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving. Amen.